Hi, this is Morris Maduro. Welcome to the Life Expansion After 50 podcast. Today, we're continuing the level setting conversation to set the stage for when we talk about seven fitness areas and what that means to you in terms of self-actualization and life transformation. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm not trying to be a guru. I think it's important for us to work these things out for ourselves and have a point of view as to how it relates to your life. If we're doing 95% of everything we do is by habit, the last thing I need to do or I want to do is add more on to that. What we need to do is stop pushing it the other way, and we do that by engaging, being conscious, and using some critical thinking to figure out what it means to us and what we're going to do about it. So today what I'm going to do is talk about some acts that have been researched. They're not. Some of them are not widely known. I mentioned last time about the peer review bar that scientists have. The other thing is if you're going to publish a book from a, with a big publishing house, it goes through a committee. And I hate to say it, but the, I saw this when I was doing motorcycle work because there are so many, there are some terms that we use in everyday language that are not terms that are in physics or engineering. And so you have to use what's acceptable to the publishing house, obviously, from a physics and engineering standpoint. And then it becomes confusing for the layperson to read and understand. And I see some of that same thing happening when it comes to the unconscious and psychology and, and those sorts of things. So uh, while it may not be widely known, if it's on this list, there's definitely research to back it up. So what we've got, uh, I made some statements. And by having a common language, it will make it a simpler conversation for us to have. And when we do have disagreement, it's something that we can actually get our hands wrapped around. Again, the purpose of doing this exercise, going through these uh, facts, factual statements, is to have you decide what you agree on and what you disagree on. And in fact, what I would suggest is you just make a mental note as we go through. Do you agree with it? Yes, no, or unsure. It's very simple. Each statement, you'll be able to say, I agree with it, I don't agree with it, or I'm unsure. If we have a lot of agreement, it's great. If there's a lot of unsure, there's room. If there's a lot of disagreement, normally the comments are only open for people who are paid subscribers. I'm going to open the comments for all podcast listeners to be able to put comments there. I want to see what people are saying. And then depending on where it shakes out, I'll address it in a subsequent episode. Wherever you're listening, you may not be able to see this platform. But if you go to seven fitness areas, that's with the digit, seven fitness areas dot substack, S-U-B-S-T-A-C-K dot com, seven fitness areas dot substack dot com. Look for the podcast. It may say active life over 50. And when you find this episode, which will be number 15 and 16, you'll be able to make comments. And then I'll address that. And I'll probably end up doing a live Q&A because I want us to make sure that we're thinking about it on a level playing field. Again, it doesn't matter if you disagree. The point is that you have a point of view about it and then you're able to adjust and we can even have a, a discussion about it. All right, so here we go. Yes, no, or unsure. Just make a mental note if you're not driving. Just jot it down. So our brain is over 100,000 years old. The reptilian part of the brain is over a million years old. At that point, who's counting? But that is an important part of this because it's a hunter-gatherer brain 
built or designed for survival and procreation and to survive in the wild. And so that's why we use that saber-toothed tiger on the Serengeti because our fight-flight response is sort of at that level for that tiger. But just because you're late for a report, that's nowhere near a tiger on the Serengeti. Unconscious processing speed is 11 million bits per second versus the conscious mind, which is 50 bits per second. So the brain and unconscious are processing up to 11 million bits per second. And I talked to some neuroscientists about this because I've seen some other numbers, and they said generally that is the generally accepted number, 11 million bits. Now, it's not always processing that much, but think about it. The conscious mind only processes 50 bits per second. I've said this before, 65,000 seconds approximately we're awake. Imagine how much information we're not seeing. And it's why three people can go and see the same exact thing. Police see this all the time with accidents. They have three or four witnesses, and they're all, they all saw something completely different. It's because of what they were focusing on. The reticular activating system comes into play. The reticular activating system, among other things, it filters through to the conscious mind what it believes to be important. Now, what it believes to be important could be being driven by the unconscious. Ideally, we're going to tell it what's important, and that's why goal setting is so powerful, and affirmations and vision boards I'm not going to say those are powerful, but that's why they work, because they're telling, they're reminding the reticular activating system what to filter through. This is the old story about you decide that you're going to buy a silver Chevy Malibu, and all of a sudden you see silver Chevy Malibus all over the place, where, as before you made that decision, you thought that you were going to have the only silver car. And that example has been around for decades. I remember hearing about that in the 70s, so it's been around for a long time. Uh, again, we've got a. If you have a hundred thousand year old brain, it's not going to change. So this idea that we're waiting for something to change, you can go back and look at all the what was written two hundred, three hundred years ago, and get some very, very strong insights. We do not have to reinvent the wheel. As a matter of fact, reinventing the wheel probably causes confusion, because everybody's trying to have a new twist on it. It's very basic. And if you go back to like William James, as I said, I've used him a lot because he was the dubbed the father of psychology. All right, myelin and processing effectiveness. So when a neural pathway is used a lot and it's used with intensity, and this is the idea of struggling on the edge of ability. The book Talent Code by Dan Coyle is a great book to read on understanding myelin, but Angela Duckworth's book Grit actually gets into the how-to because she talks about deep practice, but essentially myelin makes it Makes the new, allows the neurons to fire faster, more accurately, more precisely, and stronger, and with better timing. So when you struggle on the edge of ability, and you know, you talk, uh, I saw a thing where Steph Curry, he talks about doing shots from different parts, and he says there's always two of the net hooks facing him, and he's making decisions about where he's throwing the ball relative to where those hooks are. I mean, he's not just shooting at the hoop, he's shooting at the little net hooks, or, you know, these those are reference points for them. Same thing with racing. Uh, the fastest guys on the track, gals and guys on the track, they have a lot of small reference points. It, you know, eight inches from that spot and three inches, and they're just watching those reference points as they go through, which is why they say if you put a dime on the racetrack, the top racers will drive over that dime lap after lap after lap because that's the fast line through and they're always on it. So anyway, so Mylan and processing effectiveness is powerful, but it works both ways. So if you have a bad habit that you're constantly firing that neural pathway, 
you're going to also wrap that with myelin, and that one will fire faster with more accuracy and more, more readiness. Neuroplasticity and synaptogenesis. So while neurons may not change very easily because of the myelin, the synapse in between will move around. It, if it's not being used, it self-eliminates and it starts, it, and it, through the synaptogenesis process, it goes to where other neurons are firing. So when you want to break a habit, you don't break the habit, you replace the habit. By replacing the habit, you're building a new neural pathway and the neurotransmitter fluid that's cut, that was on the old habit moves to the new one. So the, I don't know what happens to the neurons, they just, they, they just go into waste. But the point is you can change habits more easily if you focus on replacing rather than breaking. The reaction time of the conscious mind versus the unconscious. Now, you know, if you look at my motorcycle content, I talk about the reaction time being seven-tenths of a second. But there are instances where the reaction time is like two-tenths of a second. I know from photography, you have to actually, when you're doing sports, you, you take the shot a little bit before what you want, just because your reaction time is lagging a little bit. Plus, the camera has some lag, but I'm talking about the eye lag. So our conscious mind on the fast end is about two-tenths of a second. On the slower part of it, depending on what task you're doing, seven-tenths of a second. Well, if the unconscious can process 11 million bits per second, imagine that it's not waiting two-tenths of a second to get started on that processing. It's processing that real-time, super fast. And so the conscious mind cannot keep up. And so if you want to think about something as simple as business anxiety, I'm talking about business anxiety, not mental health, but if you're talking about business anxiety and you get bad news, you see a bad review or something like that, and you get that rush of adrenaline, once it's already started. It, it, by the time the conscious mind's aware of it, it's too late to stop it from happening, and what you can hope to do is rein it in. But too many people let it linger too long, and then it's the, the horse has left the barn, and now you're spiraling because the neurons are firing and wiring together and just going on and on and on. So the, the real key here is training the unconscious to not trigger like that. And it's very easy to do. It takes about six weeks. You can train the unconscious to not trigger because you're really rewiring it. You're telling it that we're not looking at everything as a saber-toothed tiger. We're actually, most things that we run into are not saber-toothed tigers. And you literally train the it's all associations anyway. You're just doing it actively instead of having it being done to you. So the reaction time is a major piece of it when you want to control outcomes and when you want to influence your outcomes. Because if you're getting triggered, you have to figure out what to do before the trigger so the unconscious never takes off. Because once it takes off, it's like trying to rein it back in with gratitude. It doesn't work. But if you use gratitude earlier on or stay in a state of gratitude, then the, uh, you have a better chance of stopping the unconscious from, from going down into that spiral mode. Genes adapt to the environment. Biology of Belief by Bruce Lipton is a fascinating read. And he was the one who started realizing that cells adapt and genes adapt to the environment. And you know, he makes a statement that there is no such thing as a cancer gene. There are some genes that are typically present when there's cancer, but it's not one gene. It's like a combination of a minimum of 12 genes. So the point being that you don't inherit a cancer gene. It's the environment that we're creating internally. Uh, 
but the medical community wasn't ready to hear what he was saying. This goes back into the 60s and the 70s, and he's still out there talking about it now. You should pick up his book or just look at, go to uh, pick up some podcasts on Bruce Lipton. He's, it's, he hits it home very, very well. It's a very strong message. He's been talking about it for five decades, so he's got his, the message really well honed. And now the medical community is starting to listen, but it's slow, I mean, right, to, to change some of this. And by the way, the gene expression is why some people are getting these spontaneous healing, because the genes, by expressing, there's 23,000 genes, so the combination of expression is just almost limitless. And that's how people are getting these spontaneous remissions and spontaneous cures. The digestion system and nutrients. Uh, this is kind of random, but... If you consider, you know, that when people vomit a lot, it's strong enough to rot their teeth. So that vomit or puke is not something that you want in your system. The tube that goes from your esophagus all the way out to your, through your bowels, that's one big tube as part of the digestive system all the way through. And think about it. You know how strong the acid is in the stomach. That does not get out. So all of that is contained. There's one tube from the mouth to the end. And the reason that's important to understand is because the nutrients that it allows into the body, you've heard that a lot of the nutrients come in uh, through the intestines. But the nutrients that are allowed to get into the body are dictated in part by the environment that we're creating with the body, which is why it's the neurobiology, or he calls it the biology of, of belief. I'm not going to say that this is an answer. This is just a most say, because it's always been fascinating to me how I could not, I could eat a very, very small amount of food and still gain weight. It just, how does that happen? Or not lose any weight at all that day? How can you eat nothing and not lose weight? Well, when you understand that the body is determining what nutrients to pass through, then you get it. So we're probably always passing through a lot more than we need. And if we're into fight or flight mode, we're going to store more for fat. So it makes sense that more nutrients come through because we're in emergency mode. That's the whole cortisol thing. That's why they say as the cortisol goes up, it's very easy to gain weight because now we're storing nutrients. But without the cortisol, those nutrients would pass through. I'm not saying that in a medical scientific. I'm not, I'm not that person. But it's an understanding that helped me where just by if you just start with the tube being a tube from the mouth to the end, you understand it differently. And then you think about how the nutrients come through and what's determining what nutrients come through or not. So yes, no, unsure. What do you think? Emotions, energy and motion. There's a great book, 90 Seconds to a Life You'll Love by Joan Rosenberg. Uh, she makes the case that he and this is written in other places as well, that emotion is never meant to be a stored feeling. Emotions were always meant to pass through. And she goes back to the hunter-gatherer time where, using that as an example, where you're sitting around in the tribe, somebody bites into a piece of fruit or vegetable, and you know the face is the only part of the body where the skin is connected directly to the muscles, I understand. I, I don't remember where I got that data point. But I also know from studying the emotional intelligence, there's like 700 muscles, and most of them are involuntary. In fact, there's a study of these two guys who actually sat across from each other and worked for hours and hours. The researchers were hours and hours and hours trying to figure out how to move certain muscles. And they, did, they were able to vastly increase the number of muscles they could voluntarily change. 
But anyway, most of those muscles are involuntary, and it's, so the face shows the emotion right away. So everybody around the tribe knows instantly that that's something that we should not eat or that it's something that we should eat. So energy, emotion. But what happens is we suppress the emotion, and then it gets stored as a feeling, and the feeling is more of a chemical, and now it becomes part of our unconscious. It becomes part of the neural pathway. But if we just let it run through, Joan Rosenberg talks about riding the wave you know it's going to be a rush you want to feel like you want to suppress it but you ride that wave you see what you can learn from it the rain acronym recognize acknowledge investigate and then nurture so you're going to recognize that the emotion is there you're going to acknowledge it so you're not suppressing it you're allowing it to happen but then you investigate to see what you can learn from it what it's telling you and then you nurture yourself back with some self-care you know you're enough you love yourself and those kinds of things to, to get back into a calm state. You can actually work through a lot of the emotions like that bit by bit by bit and get to the point where they're processing normally and certainly any new emotions that come through, you want to let that pass through. I was one who used to suppress emotions. It, it was logical. It makes sense, right? Rangers, army, all that stuff, corporate world, martial arts, motorcycles. Yeah. What I didn't realize was that you don't just get to suppress the negative emotions. When you suppress the negative emotions, you're also building the muscle that suppresses the positive emotions, and you miss out on the joys of life as well. So if you're suppressing a lot of negative emotions, it's not like you get to have the joys. You don't get the joys either. So you want to experience the negative emotions, but let them pass through. Don't, don't hang on to them. And then you can also enjoy the ups as well. So I'm going to stop it there. I'm at number 12. That was 12. We've got 31 of these and I'll come back. We'll knock out another 10 in the next episode and then we'll wrap up and I'd like to get your thoughts. I'll leave all three of those episodes open as well as number 14 because that's where I started setting the stage so you can make your comments and then I can address some of those comments in a future episode. All right. Talk to you next time. 